0: Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic Radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday.
1: This is Catholic Baltimore. I'm Bob Krebs. Katie McKenna has written an inspirational new book titled How to Get Run Over by a Truck, and she's with us today from her home in New York City. Katie McKenna, welcome to Catholic Baltimore.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Bob. I really appreciate
1: it. Katie, we're going to be talking about your memoir that uh, is is fairly new, I believe. It's called How to Get Run Over by a Truck, which is an interesting title. And it it actually happened to you. You were run over by a truck. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, please.
2: Yes. um, I live in Brooklyn, New York. And I am a professional fundraiser as well as a stand-up comedian. And I have also been uh, writing this. I'm a writer. I also write articles. And I also write a blog called Small Bites and Little Victories.
1: As I said, your memoir, it's titled How to Get Run Over by a Truck. How in the world did you get run over by a truck?
2: Oh, my goodness, Bob. Well, it was a beautiful Tuesday morning in October. And I had gotten up early before my job to go for a bike ride, which is what I would either do a 10 mile bike ride or I do a five mile run in the mornings before work.
3: Mm -hmm. And
2: I'd gone out on this gorgeous ride. It had been, it was that wonderful time in early October, you know, it just starts to be fall and the leaves are starting to change and it was crisp and beautiful. And the sun was just starting to rise over these low buildings in Williamsburg in Brooklyn where I lived. And I really wanted to see that sunrise and I thought it was just going to be so special and so magical. And I went to the flight and where I was going to make the right turn to watch the sunrise and there was a truck on my left and I waved to him and I said, you know, I'm going to be making the flight. There was a car behind me and I waved to say that I was going to be making the right. And the car behind me saw me, but unfortunately the truck didn't. So the truck didn't have its indicator on, so I assumed that it was going straight. But instead, it actually turned right, so I had made this wide right turn, and as I was turning, unfortunately, the truck was also turning, but still didn't see me, so I missed the cab of the truck, but I was run over by the back 8 wheels mm-hmm. of the truck itself.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. How, can you even explain how that must have felt? Can you put that into oh, words? Oh, gosh.
2: <laughs> yes. I, I, I'll do my best. I mean, that's the good thing about writing it, I guess, it allows that, but... What had happened? It was—it um, was just so incredibly terrifying. And in the moments, the things that are, the thing that's fascinating is that in the first few moments, you don't feel any pain. Mm. You hear—I heard my bones cracking, and I saw and felt pressure, but my body didn't react with pain until, like, I'd say, fifteen or twenty seconds later. And it was as if there were really races of electric, like, shocks of pain, sort of relatively similar to, you know, when you drop something on your foot and there's that feeling that, that you're like, oh my gosh, ow, ow, ow. Mm. It was like that, but it didn't dull. It Mm. just continued to race up and down my body.
1: And you didn't lose consciousness.
2: No, I didn't, which was, you know, a blessing and a curse, of course. In a way, I was, it was a blessing because I was able to communicate with the people who were caring for me. Mm. I remembered my parents' phone number, I remembered what my address was, I knew my social security number. I was also able to in a moment that is just incredible that even blows me away and if it wasn't me I'd be like no way. I knew that I had patient's rights and I was really adamant about going to the best possible trauma hospital mm. because the hospital that was closest to my apartment wasn't that great. So I told them, I said to the paramedics, I was like, you need to take me to the best trauma hospital. And they're like, in their minds, of course, they're like, you're going to die because it's too far away. And I said, I don't want close. I want good. Mm. So that was the great thing about being conscious. The bad thing is, is that, you know, it's something that, that the memory of that pain and the terror that it really does still instill to in me this say nine years later, is so deeply rooted inside of my heart and in my soul. Yeah.
1: You were, you were terribly injured.
2: Yes, I, was, um, I broke all of my ribs. I punctured my lung. I fractured my pelvis in five places. Mm. I tore up um, some internal organs, most specifically my bladder. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a situation that I didn't think I would get out of alive, yeah. without a doubt. There was a moment where I was laying there and I was like, nobody gets run over by a truck and lives. That just doesn't happen you know, you have a rationale of being like, is it even, is it a good idea for me to be hopeful? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a very, very traumatic experience.
1: Do, do, um, did your life pass before your eyes? I mean, you hear things like, like that. Yeah, Uh.
2: that's such a great question. It actually didn't pass before my eyes. The only thing that I could think of, I was, I did a lot of praying, obviously, and, there were some moments where I did remember moments where I was afraid that I had sinned, you know, like the, the idea of sometimes of like copying somebody else's homework or not being as nice as I could have been yeah. to, um, to a boy who had a crush on me in elementary school. And there wasn't any, like, I didn't have a flashback of all of the memories of my life, but I did have this moment as they were putting the oxygen mask on me to, to go into surgery where I had this feeling of, I just wanted more. Mm -hmm. You know, like that moment when you've eaten like a delicious meal, but you know that you just like you so desperately and deeply want more. Yeah. That was how it felt.
1: You, It was a miracle that you survived.
2: Oh, Bob, it was absolutely a miracle. It was, there is no doubt in my mind that it was a miracle. The accident happened on October 2nd, which is the patron saint day of the guardian angel. And I am absolutely sure that my angels were just holding fast to me and saved my life.
1: Katie, how did your Catholic faith help you get through this event? And I'm sure the, the healing and rehab process was long and difficult. Did, you, did your faith help you th- through that as well?
2: But it was one of the most important parts of my entire experience was my faith. That was what I did the entire, the entire time that I was on the ground. And when I was in the ambulance, all that I did was say Hail Mary's and our fathers. There was also this really incredible thing that happened, which was as I was lying on the ground, on the gravel, there was a young woman who came out, the woman who was in the Mazda behind the car behind me.
3: Mm
2: She had called the police and she called my parents and she was wonderful. And then out of nowhere, a man came out of his car pulled over, and then he came out of his car, and I remember he was wearing a Yankees hat, a Madras shirt, and khaki cargo shorts, and he came over to where I was lying on the ground, and he said, listen to me. I'm the pastor. I've spoken to God, and you're not going to die today, and then without knowing what my faith was, he held my hand, and he held the hand of this, this woman, Giselle, and we said, be our father. And it was the most at peace that I felt. I was like, this person is telling me that God is going to save me.
3: Hmm.
2: And I continued to hold on to that hope from this person who was the only person who believed that I would make it. Every other person, the EMTs, the doctors, they said I was probably not going to live. As time went on, I leaned very heavily on my faith to help me to get through those challenging times of just asking for God to give me strength, to give me hope, to help me to be a better person, to remember, to be kind, to think of others, although I was in a bad place and to be grateful. I think that that is such a beautiful part of our faith that sometimes I don't, I did not focus on as much before this had happened, Mm -hmm. but this overwhelming feeling of gratitude was such a big part of my healing it was so special and such an extreme blessing, and feels like the greatest gift that I was given yeah, yeah. through a, by having this accident happen.
1: What do you want your readers to take away uh, from from this book?
2: I think that all of us have had a feeling in our lives where we feel like we've been run over by a truck. Hmm. You know, that there is one trauma in our lives we feel like takes our entire vertical world and just turns it horizontal. And in those moments, we have a choice. We can either lay down and say, there's nothing I can do to fix it. There's no way this is going to get better. Or we can fight and work to try to make our lives better and happier degree by degree. What I want for readers to take away from this is that even in hopeless situations, even when you're told no, even when you feel broken, there's still hope if you're willing to fight.
1: You can get a copy of Katie McKenna's inspirational new book, How to Get Run Over by a Truck, at Amazon.com or your favorite chain or independent bookstore. Katie, do you have a website?
2: I I update my website with events and readings and talks that I'm giving, and that's it
1: www.katiecmakenna.com Katie McKenna it's been a real delight uh, talking to you today you know once again thanks so much for your time
2: thank you it was a real delight I really
1: appreciate it for Catholic Baltimore I'm Bob Krebs
4: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review if you haven't already make sure you pick up the June edition of the Catholic Review available in parishes now On page 10, check out the sixth installment of our 2017 series, The Least of These. Inspired by Matthew 25, in which our Lord states, What you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me, The Least of These series provides an in-depth look at the Catholic Church's response to those in dire need. In June, we look at victims of human trafficking, a major concern within the Baltimore Archdiocese, as Maryland is fourth in the US in cases per capita. Meet the Samaritan Women, a Christian nonprofit organization for which the board leadership routinely includes a number of Catholics. One teenager being helped by the group, Pepper, and that's not her real name, says, I get to be a kid here for once. Before she was trafficked, Pepper cared for her parents and older siblings, starting at age 8. Read about her, the Samaritan women, and others who are fighting the hidden scourge of human trafficking in the Catholic Review. Also in the June print edition, check out our coverage of Monsignor Arthur Bastras' retirement on page 9. A Baltimore native whose father was president and general manager of the Maryland and Pennsylvania Railroad, Monsignor Bastras grew up at St. Bernardine Parish in West Baltimore. Although he has held a variety of pastorships and archdiocesan leadership positions over the 60 years of his active priesthood, he is best known for his most recent assignment, pastor of St. Alphonsus in downtown Baltimore, a parish that offers the Tridentine Latin Rite. Read more in the Catholic Review. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt.
5: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV?
0: are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370
1: WQLL. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Bob Krebs. Kristen Brown is an award-winning photographer and the creator of the Saints Project, a modern portrayal of Catholic saints. Kristen Brown is on the phone with us today from her studio in the Philadelphia area. Kristen, welcome to Catholic Baltimore.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's a pleasure to have you here today. We're going to be talking about the Saints Project. Before we do, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, um, I'm Kristen Brown. I'm 31 years old. Um, Born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, Started photography when I was, I don't know, six. My dad did it. And um, it just stuck with me all through my life. Uh, I moved out to L.A. when I was 22 and did a lot of photography work out there, headshots models and stuff, but didn't really ever feel very satisfied, fulfilled by that, so I started to pray um, about how to use my photography um, to glorify God, and then Saints Project came to be about two years ago.
1: Yeah, tell us about the Saints Project. You know, first of all, what is it, and then how did it come about?
3: So the Saints Project is, what I call it, a modern portrayal of Catholic saints, and I use digital photography and Photoshop, and real people, so I photograph real people dressed as the saint that they're portraying, and then I use Photoshop to kind of blur the line between you're looking between you thinking that you're looking at a photograph or looking at a painting or looking at something that might be a little bit more timeless. Um, so yeah, that's what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, um, and and how did how did you decide to do this, or or, or how did it uh, come about?
3: You know, it really was one of those sort of light bulb moments. Like I said, I was kind of struggling a lot with feeling fulfilled by photography. Um, and so I was praying for about five years about how can I work, how can I make this, you know, work for me and, and God at the same time. And, um, and so I was with my mom, and, and she had said something about St. Sebastian, and I just had this uh, picture in my mind of St. Sebastian as a photograph being, you know, portrayed by a person. And um, but making it look like it was an image of Saint. Sebastian from the time that he existed. Yeah. And um, and so then I, I started to look up and research whether or not it had been done before as like an ongoing series or and it hadn't. So mm. I just started doing it. <laughs> yeah,. <pretty much.
1: laughs> I guess for our listeners who who haven't seen uh, the, the photographs that are part of the Saints project, I guess uh-huh. as as a way of um, explanation, I, I, I guess when you first look at one of your f- beautiful photographs, it reminds you of a holy card. You know, it's got kind of got that dimension, and any uh-huh. anybody who's uh, you know Catholic or raised Catholic will know what a holy card is. It's, right. You know, uh, and you did that consciously, correct? I mean,
3: yeah, it was definitely the style, and everything of it was very intentional. And um, I wanted it to feel, you know, like I had a timeless feel, like you weren't sure if it was a photo or a painting or mm-hmm. when it when it had been made or, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was all very intentional.
1: So you choose a saint, and then you choose a model, and then you choose like a setting or a background. Um, let's take it one, one at a time. How do you choose okay. which saints that you're featuring in the Saints Project?
2: Well, in
3: the beginning, it was just um, people that I already knew that I could see portraying a particular saint. Um, and that they had some quality that they reminded me of this saint. Or I had a saint in my mind that I really liked and was drawn to, and I wanted to find the right person for that. And that's still pretty much the way that I do it. Like, I I look at people and I imagine them as a certain saint. Um, But then when I started doing, like, more series, like, kind of the Holy Family has, like, a series to it, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that was just, I used the same people for for that.
1: Sure. So, uh, give us some of the some of the names of the saints that that you are portraying in this in this series. Do you have a do you have a favorite saint? Or? I, kind of,
3: I kind of well. I have a favorite um, as far as the images go. There are some favorites only because it's hard for me. I look at it from a very technical perspective. Sure. Yeah. So I like the ones that I feel like I did technically well. Yeah. So Saint Clair uh, of Suzie is one of my favorites. I felt like. Um, the the vision I had for it it came through the, better than some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I really do like the Holy Family images, um, and Saint Joan of Arc was one of my favorite saints, and of course she still is. So I, I really like that image. Too. Yeah.
1: So if you're you're um, walking through the mall and you see someone, you, you walk up to him and say, "Hey, you know you you would make a great Saint Joan of Arc." <laughs> Does it work that way? Or... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well, uh, I'm, I'm kind of shy and not <laughs> very a- uh, extroverted, so I haven't done anything like that yet. <laughs> it's it's more, like I have um, approached people through the internet. Like, that's actually how I discovered um, Maria Cahill, who portrays Mary, was on YouTube. Uh-huh. I didn't know her before this, and I, you know, I had no connection to her. I saw a, a talk that she had done, a pro-life talk, and I was just blown away by the talk, but also her face just looked like Mary to me. And I had been looking for a new Mary um, after per- after using a different girl for the well-meaning families. I wanted to um, start over with Mary and do it my way, kind of. Yeah. And so I was, like, seeking that out. And, yeah, so that was probably the funniest, most random way to approach <sighs> someone about Yeah are you,
1: um, are you adding to the project? Do you, are you um, still involved in taking pictures or uh, you know of, of the saints like this?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, this year, uh, I'm planning on doing the 12 Apostles. Oh. Ah. Um, yeah, so I'll be going out to Los Angeles um, to start shooting. I have, I think, five or six people out there, and then I'll finish up the other six, you know, hopefully here or maybe somewhere else. I don't know. where. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited about, about that one because it's very, very specific, and I think that it's um, a way that the Apostles haven't been shown yet. So I'm kind of excited about
1: that one. Do you research and look at um, the way maybe, like, let's say Saint John the Beloved was? Uh-huh. You know, if you look and see how he was portrayed in in art and you know paintings and that sort of thing, and then develop your your image for your photograph that way, or is it t- totally different?
3: No, that is pretty much the way. Yeah, I <clears throat> I like to make sure that, especially with the apostles, it'll it'll be more difficult because they're. They all look pretty similar, and they're all portrayed, um, for the most part, throughout uh, the history of art, that they were very old, you know, in a lot of images. Sure. Um, but in, in my series, they're going to be young, and it's going to be um, as if they were with during the time that they were with Christ. So those mm-hmm. few years that they were traveling with him and um, partaking in his ministry, um, so they're going to be portrayed a little bit younger, but yes, I still uh, reference a lot of other art images to yeah. make sure that I'm getting some symbolism if there's a technique like a, a specific color that they wear for some reason that means something the way they wear their hair something that they're holding or carrying all of that stuff I definitely take into account yeah, yeah. what do
1: you want people to take away from the project when people look online at, at these photographs or they purchase them in their homes what, what is it that you want them to, to feel
3: I want people um, hopefully, to feel that the saints are two things. um, Relatable, that they're human beings, and they accomplished incredible things with their lives and devoted themselves to God, and that they're real. And, you know, through the images of of looking at a person, you you might be able to um, more closely relate those two things, that that was a real person. And also that they, themselves, can become a saint. You know what I mean? And... Mm -hmm. um, to be inspired by the story and also the way that they're made that the images are are done in a way I hope that um, that is kind of a current and modern look so that people feel especially young people they can look at them and and feel like it's something that they can relate to yeah
1: what reactions have you gotten from from the public about the
3: project? Mostly really really positive feedback people have been been really supportive and encouraging um so yeah it's it's really sweet and overwhelming and um I'm very grateful for it yeah
1: we we discussed before we began this interview off the air we talked about how it it might be difficult for uh for you and I talking here in in this format to describe um accurately the beauty of of your photographs because they are works of art um, but I guess the best bet is for people to go online and check them out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, how, how can our listeners do that? How can they see these beautiful uh, um, photographs?
3: I have a website. Um, it's called the org. That's probably the best place um, that you can go, the most kind of comprehensive. If everything is there, you can look through all of the images. It's linked to an Etsy page if you are interested in buying a print.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um so yeah, that's why I put I put everything
1: up on there. That website once again is the SaintsProject.org. Kristen Brown, thanks so much for being with us today on Catholic Baltimore. Thank
3: you so much for having me. It was
1: so fun. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm Bob Krebs.
6: New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery, Bonnie Bray, or call 410 566